Well, we'd like to take a few moments now just to reflect on the very central hope that we share together at Christmas time. The trailer to the recent Harry and Meghan documentary and the release of the first uh, set of episodes, followed quickly by the second, have really caused quite a stir. When asked why they wanted to make this documentary, Meghan made, I think, a lot of sense when she responded, everyone's writing about our story. When the stakes are this high, doesn't it make sense to hear our story directly from us? Knowing that a lot of people were discussing their lives and their story, they wanted to speak for themselves and explain the heart of their own story. Throughout the Advent series here at Great Vic, we've been doing something a bit similar with the Christmas story. We've been working through a series of messages entitled Christmas According to Jesus, what Jesus had to say about his coming into the world at Christmas. We've been asking the question, well, how did Jesus explain his own story of why he came into the world. And we've looked at passages like this one from John 10.10, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's Jesus saying he came to give life. We've also looked at this one from Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But this evening, I thought we'd turn to consider perhaps the clearest explanation of Christmas that Jesus gives in the whole Bible for what his coming is all about. And that is from John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to consider four truths in this simple statement that makes up Jesus' explanation of what his coming into the world was all about. Jesus' explanation of Christmas starts here, with the existence and reality of a great being above all others with God. This is where the Christmas story begins with the reality of God. There are various stories for how everything that there is came into existence. Slime plus time plus chance, and you get this world in all its diversity. That's one explanation. Another is that a big bang brought everything into existence, and from that very dense mass, there was an explosion that brought about all that we see today. The historical Jesus, who no one denies walked on the earth around 2,000 years ago, he certainly believed and taught that there was one true God, the powerful creator of the heavens and the earth. He taught that creation was God's creation because God made it. But Jesus didn't just teach us that there was a big, powerful, faceless 
disinterested being out there who just wound up the clock of creation and then left the world run itself. No, he taught that this God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it was a personal God. And this leads to the second truth that Jesus emphasized in his explanation of Christmas in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Jesus taught us of a great love that flows from the heart of this great God. Jesus taught us that God loves this world that he created. Now, this might not seem like a big deal to you as you hear this, but it is a really big deal, especially when we realized what happened after God created this beautiful world and the people who would live in it. The opening chapters of the book of the Bible, Genesis, tell us that after God created the heavens and the earth and declared that it was very good, our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God, and they decided they wanted to be their own gods. This rebellion came with serious consequences. They experienced brokenness inside. A sense of insecurity and fear dogged their lives. Sin entered the world and the world groaned under this pollution with sin. In swept sickness, decay, death, and brokenness. And every generation of humanity has received from our first parents what we could call this rebellion DNA. By nature, we all want to be God ourselves. We don't have to teach our children to be selfish or to lie. It seems to naturally come forth from us. And it doesn't do to say today, well, look, I'm not that bad. I'm not a murderer or a thief or a criminal mastermind. You see, these rebellious tendencies, they show up in much more subtle ways. Our sin and our rebellion shows up in our wee white lies, our moments of anger, our greed our self-centeredness, our gossip, our crosswords, our slander of others. On a larger global scale, these sinful tendencies show up in governmental corruption, civil unrest, war, right down to those annoying phone scams that we all have to dodge. We all lock our doors at night. Do you ever stop to think why that is? Worst of all, this rebellion has separated us as humanity from a right relationship with God. And if this is not fixed, we will die in our sins. And Jesus taught us that the consequences of that is beyond words. You've probably heard the expression, that's a face that only a mother could love. Well, in some ways, this world and its sinful brokenness was a world that only the Father its maker could love. And this God, like a good father, loved the world he made even though it was acting like a rebellious child. And this love was the source of this father giving the world a great gift. And this is the third truth that Jesus emphasizes in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, God in love gave this world a great gift on that first Christmas. He gave the gift 
of his Son, Jesus Christ, who came to do something about our sin and rebellion problem. That is why on that first Christmas, the angels said it was a moment of good news and great joy for all people because a Savior had been born. Christmas was a great rescue mission. And as the Gospels unfold the story of the life of Jesus Christ, we learn that Jesus would save this world in its darkness by taking all the consequences of our sin and rebellion against God upon himself. He would absorb all the consequences of sin, the just judgment of God. He would absorb our brokenness, our rebellion, our dishonoring of God. He would pay our debt of offense against God, and he would put into our account everything we need to be right with God. And so the final part of Jesus' explanation of Christmas calls for a simple response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, you do not automatically just receive the benefits of this great love and this great gift from God. Jesus said there must be a response to what God has done, and this is what we call the response of faith. Faith is the hand that receives the gift of God's love that is his Son. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he calls us to repent and to trust in him so that we can be right with God. We turn away from pushing God to the background in our lives, and we make him Lord of our lives, giving him first place. When you come in, you all sat down on a chair this evening. You trusted it was enough to hold you. Believing in Jesus is a bit like that. You trust that he is enough to hold you up and make you right with God. You put all your weight on him, spiritually speaking, and he will not let you fall. Jesus says those who believe in him will not perish. That is, they will not experience the consequence of their sins. They will not die and be lost eternally, but they will have eternal life. That's not just a quantity of life, but a quality of life. I'm reading a book at the moment that has absolutely captivated me. It's called Everything Sad is Untrue. It's a story of a boy named Daniel, a refugee from Iran, who had to flee from his country because his mum had come to trust in Jesus Christ. The secret police were trying to kill her, and so she was able to flee with her kids. Their new life as Christians, cost them everything they had. Where Daniel was from a wealthy family in Iran, in the USA, where they finally found asylum, he was just a poor refugee. He, he said, I'm, to everyone else, I'm the boy who smells, just a poor refugee. But he goes on to recount how he himself came to hope in the same Jesus his mother hoped in. 
And sometimes, he said, people would ask, why is following Jesus worth losing your whole life for? You had everything, and you've given it all up to follow Jesus. And he says, I always answer the same way, because Jesus and everything he taught is true. And he goes on to say, it's true and more valuable than seven million dollars in gold coins and thousands of acres of Persian countryside and 10 years of education to get a medical degree and all your family and a home and the best cream puffs at Jolfa and even maybe your life. My mom wouldn't have made the trade otherwise. If you believe it's true that there is a God and he wants you to believe in him and he sent his son to die for you, then it has to take over your life. It has to be worth more than everything else because heaven is waiting on the other side. In the book, he states that because of Jesus, one day all of his sadness will pass away. Jesus will bring about a reality where there's no more sadness. Everything sad, in a sense, will become untrue. And that is what Jesus means when he speaks of giving us eternal life, life that is a treasure, that is a value, that is of value that's worth giving up everything else to have. So Megan and Harry said, when the stakes are this high, doesn't it make sense to hear our story directly from us? Well, when it comes to heaven and hell, death and life realities, the stakes are far higher. And Jesus would say to us, doesn't it make sense to hear my story directly from me? He said, this is Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The question this evening for you to answer is, how will you respond to Jesus' explanation of Christmas? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for that great love that Jesus taught us about, that led you to sending forth your Son, giving us Jesus as the greatest gift of all, who would live and die in our place, absorbing our sin onto himself so that he could take it away from us. He can set us free from sin and give us life eternal. And we pray that this evening, as we think of that simple response, whoever believes in him, we think of that picture of the chair, just sitting and putting our faith resting everything on Jesus. He will always be enough to save us and hold us up. And we thank you that still today, all across the world, people are coming to realize that life that there is in Jesus Christ. And as we together respond now and respond throughout the Christmas season, we pray that we would respond in a way that honors you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll sing our final carol. Hark the herald angels sing.
as we close in prayer. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.